0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: I believe that as I'm speaking to you this morning and those that might be listening on radio or on the Internet that you are in the midst of perhaps some problems, and maybe your problems are very severe. I made a list of some people that have had some problems of people that I know personally, those that are wrestling with decisions of cancer, those that are wondering about their mom-and-pop business and will it be able to be sustained while these big box stores begin to gobble them up, about people who have been trying faithfully and relentlessly to find work, and they can't find work people that are struggling with their children and particularly teenagers that just seem to be way outside the box in their thinking and behavior. And so I look at those people and the problems that they might have and they're struggling with them. And then for some of you that might be saying, I don't have any problems right now. Well, I can assure you that you've either had some problems in the past or you're just around the corner from the next problem. And when I was in this portion of Scripture, I was looking at my life and, you know, our life seems to be pretty good. We live in Hawaii. My wife's healthy. I'm healthy. Uh, Today I still have a job, you know, that kind of thing. And as I'm looking at all of that, I'm thinking, why did the Lord lay this on my heart? Partly because as a shepherd of you people and I'm around those that have problems, I love you. And I would do anything I can to take those problems away But since I can't, and it's probably not the Lord's will, it is the Lord's will, though, that I would show you how that his ever-loving arms will come around you during those problems to lift you up so that you can be spiritually sustained while you go through those problems. And so I'm here to help you, but maybe in the weeks and months to come that the Lord is preparing my heart and Carol's in my heart for a challenge that we might face Now problems can sometimes be divided into different categories. One problem is a problem that's just due to sin, whether it's sin in my life where I've made wrong choices and the consequences have brought horrific problems, or whether it's the sin in other people's lives and they've made wrong choices and therefore they have made decisions, now the consequences have come upon me, such as a drunk driver that might hit us or something like that. And then there are just things in life that have not that much to do with sin necessarily, but just life, that life is thrown at us, and we face those problems. And when we do, I want you to know that God loves you, and He wraps His arms around you, and He gives you a way to think. Well, I think there's probably no better place of Scripture than Romans chapter 8 to speak to us when we face these problems and how to think properly about those problems. We've already studied how we feel when we feel, I feel like I'm no good, maybe as a result of problems. And we learn that God says, no matter your problems, you are not condemned if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. So this message today is specifically designed from God's Word for those who already know Christ as their Savior. So you're not condemned. So therefore, we can say, we have freedom in Christ. And then we might feel that I'll never change, and that's why I have these problems, Well, I want you to know that God says that you do not have to allow your nature, nor sin, nor even Satan in the world system to have domination over you. When you are in Christ, you have victory continually. And now today, I want to talk about those of you that might be looking at your life and you're saying, my life seems to be falling apart. Maybe some of you feel like the wagons or the wheels are coming off your wagon. Some of you might be saying that the wheels are flying off my wagon right now with the problems that I have. Well, for you, I want you to know that God says there is no need for you to have desperation in your life. Why? Because in Christ, there really is hope. As we go through this long passage of Scripture, Romans chapter 8, verses 17 through 30, you will find that the word hope is found not once, not twice, but at least six different times it's alluded to in this passage. And I believe it was God wanting us to know that there's hope in Christ. And so with this, I hope that we might learn some ways as we deal with challenges and problems in our life. How can I handle these problems? So going through this passage... I would like you to maybe take home with you three biblical truths that you can own in your heart. So as you face these problems, you will have not the flicker of hope, but the joy of hope during those problems, whatever they might be. So the first one is this, and this might be difficult for some because this is new for you. But when you face these problems, you need to understand that we share in the sufferings of Jesus Christ, which means that whatever problems and sufferings that we go through, We are not going through them alone. We're going through them because Jesus Christ himself has suffered for us. Look, if you will, at verse 17, if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do have them out in front of you with a pen. I don't know what translation you might have, but you might want to mark it from time to time, a verse or a word or a phrase so that when you do your quiet time, it'll come off the page and remind you of this message and how we can handle problems. All right, we share in the sufferings of Christ. And if children, and that's referring to those that are faith alone in Christ, and have God as your Father, then heirs, we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, which means that everything that God gave to the Son, which is Christ, He gives to us because we're in Christ. So we're joint heirs of everything with Christ. No matter our suffering, no matter our problems, we are joint heirs with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together." Interesting as you go through this passage that not only does hope jump out of the page to you, but also the word glory or glorious or glorified. You're going to find it not once, not twice, but four times. So somewhere in the suffering, there is hope and there is glory that's waiting for us. Now, what do you do when you have a problem? Can you remember the more severe problems that you had? What did you do with it when you had a problem? Well, some people, when they share their problems, they like to share it with another complainer. We might find that someone else is the victim of some kind of a problem that's similar, and so pretty soon we're sharing our problems with them. It's almost like, let me see your operation, and I'll show you my operations, and we're going to try to one-upsman with one another. And I find that often when we begin to talk about our problems, and especially with others, we not only feed ours, but could feed their bitterness about why we have these problems, and we're really suffering because of this, and we don't really get over them. Secondly, we might want to share it with those who are what I call excusers. Not excusers, but excusors. These are the people that say, you know, I have this problem, but it's not my fault. It's always somebody else's problem. It's someone else's fault, and I wouldn't be hurting this bad if someone else wouldn't be there to to relieve me of this problem that I have. So we hang around other people that are excusors. I think sometimes when that happens, we become even more weak than we are because we don't really go to the right source for a solution. Now, some of you, when you're hearing this, you might take it to the next level and think that, well, then, Pastor, are you saying that when I'm going through a severe problem, I shouldn't talk about it? I shouldn't tell other people about that problem? Well, I do believe there, there is a right way to do that in the right context. One way to do that is to be very careful with whom you're going to share it for prayer and check your motives. Do you really want people to pray, or do you want people to suffer with you and to know about the problems that you have so you can glory in that pity party? So share it with someone or someones that could pray for you. If you're going to talk about it with someone, select someone that you know of that will help you during the problem, help you see that suffering from God's perspective, not someone who's just going to, quote, cry in your beer with you. Someone who'll come alongside and help redirect your heart back up to the Lord. You might want to share it with someone who might need to know because in your suffering, there's some things that are changing in your schedule, your life, and your finances relationally. And so they may need to know that some things are going to happen because of the suffering you're going through. So all you're doing is due diligence so you can go through it as successfully, effectively as you possibly can. But always share your suffering with the Lord. First of all, He knew it ahead of time. Nothing passed to you that didn't hit His desk first. And He said in his heart to you, that I permitted this or prescribed this. Now, some of you want to shut that off right away because I can't believe in a God who loves me that would allow this. And all I'm going to ask you to do is to stay with us through our journey of Scripture, and this might help you in the future in just a moment. So be very careful of that. Let me go back to Christ, the sufferings of Christ, because you might say, well, you know, Christ is God and all of that. He didn't go through the same things I went through. Well, as a man, he did, as a God-man. He faced grief when his friend died. He faced frustration when his disciples argued with one another, especially when they didn't get it from him from time to time. He faced disappointment when Judas betrayed him. He faced temptation from Satan. He faced family problems when his family didn't understand him nor his ministry or his calling. He faced total rejection. He faced pain. And if you remember, he was stripped when he was on the cross and horribly embarrassed and humiliated, you might say. So I don't know what you're going through, and you might compare your scar with the scars of Christ, but whatever emotional scar he went through, you have it as well. And he says, I've been there, done that, but I've also risen victoriously. And you can identify with me, and you can have that resurrected life with me. And how beautiful it is. Now remember what I just said. It's not just we're going to remember to make ourselves feel better how badly Christ got a deal in life. What we'd remember to make us feel better is to remember not only did he get a bad deal in life, but he was victorious. And it's that victorious life that we have in Christ. And now that begins to lift us. So keep our focus on him and how important that is. I remember when I was uh, unsaved and then even as a young believer, and things would happen into my life. I guess I had some kind of uh, teaching from my parents, although they weren't religious, but they gave me a God-consciousness. So when things would happen in my life early on, I would ask, why did God do this to me? I remember the night that Carol invited me out to a youth meeting before I ever trusted Christ. She wasn't dating me. I was just one of the group. And she said, why don't you come to us to the special youth meeting? And I said, I'd love to come. In the middle of that day, I had a, an automob- automobile accident, as stupid as it was. I had one of those cheap little Ford Falcons and didn't have a radio, so I put the radio on the dashboard of the car. And so I'm listening to the tunes. I turn the corners. I turn left. My radio slides across this metal dashboard. Some of you know this. I'm an, you, Older you get, these cars didn't have all that nice fancy vinyl leather dashboards. And so it slid. And what do you do when it's sliding? Oh, no, I don't want to lose my radio. You're a 16-year-old driver that shouldn't be driving, probably. I reach over here, lost control, of my car, I cruise into this field. There's no trees, it is the flattest field in the whole world except one rock. My car hit that rock, landed up on top of it, and teetered like this, like you see in a cartoon. My question is is why God did you do this to me? As I got a little bit older and people like you perhaps were now teaching me things, I started to realize that there is a conflict of the ages, God and Satan. So then I realized a lot of this bad stuff I began to blame on Satan. Why did Satan do this to me? But you know, I'm beginning to learn as you become more mature in the Lord and you know his word, it's not what God did to me. It's what God is doing in me through these issues that I'm going through, my challenges. So maybe what we need to do is not look at God as someone who might be an enemy or someone who just wants to wield a a hammer and a chisel that always wants to hit on us but someone who says, I want to work inside of you because you are one of my children and I've got a wonderful plan for your life and this is all part of it. Plus, you have heaven to boot waiting for you. So it's what God does inside of us. So before I go further in my message, I want to do something I don't often do. I want to pause for a moment. And have a word of prayer so our hearts are really ready to receive this. And that you'll not only own these truths, but I know that you have people that are suffering in your world or will suffer soon. And you can come to them instead of giving them some tea and sympathy. You might be able to share with them God's word. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes and seek the Lord now as we go to our next point. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we want to take a moment to recognize that we really can't see this truth without the Holy Spirit revealing it to us. So we pray for His power and His wisdom, His insight. We pray that in each of our hearts that You would use Your Word in this time together to help us to see this truth, maybe for the first time, about our problems. Maybe for the first time, about a particular problem that we're facing in life. Lord, we're certainly not here to make light of problems. There are many people that have severe problems right now, and we're not going to try to take away the pain or the suffering. We recognize it. But you know how weighty those problems are, and you know how terrible they can be. But, Father, we pray that we could bring light to our problems through your word. So we're going to listen to your word and your spirit, and that somehow we could see them in light of truth. And so, Lord, we ask this so that when we leave here today, we'll be changed from the inside out because of and through the sufferings, and then the antidote of the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. So folks, one more time. When you go through the sufferings for just a moment, just realize we're sharing in the sufferings of Christ. And frankly, we could be in no greater company. Amen? All right, let's go to number two. Our present sufferings are not worthy to compare to our future glory. Our present sufferings are not worth comparing to our Future glory. The last point we talked about: who do you share your problems with? Now you might look at your problems and you might ask this question: What do I compare my problems to? You know, maybe there's some other problems that are out there, and all of us like to compare our problems with other people's problems. But there's some things wrong with that. So again, I'll just speak quickly but briefly about my own personal opinion about um, support groups. I think support groups that people have, I'm not talking about small groups, I'm talking about support groups, I don't want to mention any names particularly. I think they have their place at times for certain people, if they're done right and they're extremely biblical, they're not uh, socially done with the name of God thrown in there somewhere sprinkled, but deep from God's word, I think they're helpful for certain people for a certain time, if it's done biblically. But at the same time, there's always a susceptibility that we become in that a codependent relationship where the group needs you and you need the group so much for the long haul. And it could be very, very, um, I don't want to say dangerous, but maybe it will not be as effective in the long haul for you. So, first of all, some of the problems with it is we can depend upon the pain of other people. When we begin sharing, whether it's out of a group or in that type of a group, and I'm not saying you shouldn't share, you already talked about that, but when you do, some of the dangers could be this that we now start sharing with that other person that particular problem. And by doing that, that gives us a momentary fix of feeling better. It's like having brain cancer with a headache and we load ourselves up with Tylenol so we numb the pain but we don't really deal with the root issue that's inside. And we need to be very, very careful of that. Sometimes that could be very wrong because it's almost like I've got some problems, but I'll feel better if I'm around someone else who has worse problems than me. So I'm so thankful that that other person has a worse problem than I have. So it's almost like relishing in their problems that are more severe than ours. Their pain is more extensive than ours, and that makes us feel better. And let me tell you, there are some real problems that are out there. Let me read one to you that I picked up recently. Some of you might have already heard about this as well. Let me read this to you. Think you think you've got problems? Karen Perry of Apache Junction, Arizona, has experienced a series of struggles in her recent years, but she's described as a selfless individual. She's a divorcee trying to raise three children. Morgan Perry, who's nine, was diagnosed with epilepsy and faced multiple brain surgeries. Luke Perry, not the actor, six, had autism. Karen's third child, Logan, was eight. On November twenty-third, two 2011, about 11 days ago, The night before Thanksgiving, a small airplane slammed into a sheer cliff in the mile-high Superstition Mountains east of Phoenix and exploded, killing the six people on board, including the pilot and his three young children, who were to spend the Thanksgiving weekend with him, authorities said. The dead included pilot Sean Perry, age 39, his two sons, and his daughter. Their father lived in Safford in southeastern Arizona and owned a small aviation business there. He had flown to the Phoenix suburb of Mesa with another pilot, Russell Hardy, age 31, who co-owned the company, and a mechanic, Joseph Hardwick, age 22, who was to be married on December 16th. That's a week from this coming Friday. The father came to pick up the children for Thanksgiving when the plane crashed only a few hundred feet from the top of the mountain. Well, you need to know that that mother lost her three children, her ex-husband, Friends in a business, because she was a pilot too, all wiped out in a flame of a split second at that time. Now, when you hear something like that, and my heart really goes out. I've carried this for a while, about this family and her particularly. Your problems don't seem as bad, do they? Whatever you're going through, I want you to think about What Thanksgiving is like? What do you think Christmas will be like? What do you think Mother's Day will be like? Her birthday will be like? What about her whole future? What about the economics? What about her friends, her ex who died? Her whole world, she will never, ever be the same again. There is one woman who desperately needs Jesus Christ and to know him intimately and personally and the sufferings that he went through for her. Now, most of you will agree with that, but here's where I want to make my point. It's not so much about looking for someone who's got a worse problem and letting them massage us to help us feel better because when I think of this lady, this sweet lady named Karen, the selfless divorcee mother, who really, I'm questioning rhetorically, has problems worse than hers. So who does she go to then? And so perhaps for us... So that we here in our faith family for this beautiful island of Oahu would have such an intimate relationship with the Lord that we don't need other people's problems to make us feel better because theirs is worse than ours. What we really need to do is to really go to the Lord and to really understand that no matter what our problems are, they can't even compare to the glories of heaven. And we look forward to that future when we're forever going to be in heaven. And with that strength and hope of the glories that we'll have, we then can take that to a world that is suffering. Oahu, economically, socially, politically, and the religious conflicts in this island to boot. That we could be God's people for this time, such as this, for our island. So I look at that. So, let's look to the Lord to be the one to help us. Well, there's two words that can describe where this glory is to be revealed, because it says that. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. Here it is, in us. Would you mark that? So it's not some time that we're going to go to the stage necessarily and only see this wonderful array of stuff going on in heaven. But we are part of that heavenly scheme that God is having up there. And this glory is what He's doing in us now and in the future. So it's all in us. And how beautiful that is. Now 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 says... For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all, those light and momentary troubles. Now, for a moment here, some of you might be listening. Some of you are very new to this. You might be saying, well, here's Paul saying in Romans that, hey, this is such a light thing. God's doing this inside of us because of the future glories. And he has no idea about the pain. And then in 2 Corinthians 4.17, he's saying these are just light and momentary things. He has no idea what we're going through. And I could understand you coming to that conclusion if you didn't know about the Apostle Paul and what he went through before he ever wrote that. So he had that attitude even though he had these sufferings in his life. Just listen. 2 Corinthians, same book, not Romans, but 2 Corinthians, chapter 11. He says this. In labors, more abundant, referring to himself. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day i have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the sea, in perils of the city, in perils of the wilderness, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fastings and cold and nakedness. And besides these things, what came upon me daily was the deep concerns I had even for other people like the church. Now that's Paul. And yet he was the one that could still write what I just read to you a few moments ago. But staying in the same context of Second Corinthians, now moving to chapter 12, he says this. Carrying all of those sufferings, he says, Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in mine infirmities or sufferings that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, now this is huge. And I'm wondering if we have anyone here that could say this authentically. He says, therefore, I take pleasure... In my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, in my sufferings. For Christ's sake, here it is, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Now, when you hear that, I look at that and I say, he has got to be the post-toasty Christian. You know what I mean by that, old people here, elderly, the little bit better post-toasty cereal? He had to be a little bit better. I don't think he was any better I think he was just more honest and said, not I, but Christ. And so now I'm wondering, are you ready to say, I take these sufferings? They're just like Christ, so I can rejoice because I'm in good company. I take the sufferings right now. This is nothing. This is a light thing. This is like a little butterfly compared to an elephant. And the little butterfly is my stress and struggles that I have now. And maybe the ones that I'll encounter before I die and it'll all pile up with a bunch of butterflies. But it doesn't matter because the glories is going to be so heavy, so huge when I'm with the Lord. Are you there yet? I want to be there. And so as I look at that, I'm wondering. Now, this is my sanctified imaginations. I wonder sometimes if God allows the suffering here so that at the same time I could experience God's grace. That when I go through the troubles and the problems that I have, that I can also experience the glories that's being revealed in me now because of Christ. And I really believe, since I'm not to compare the two, that no matter what my suffering is, the glories is so much more extensive. So that's why we can say, I rejoice in your grace in my suffering, because for you, Father, I do it for the sake of Christ. I don't know. You know, this passage doesn't stop there. It talks about groanings. When you suffer, do you groan? Now, kids, I want to talk to you for a minute. Have you ever heard your mom or dad get out of bed in the morning, maybe a Saturday, maybe a Sunday morning? I don't know. Don't identify him. And you hear them get up and go, Oh, oh, oh," they get out of bed and they groan. Have you ever heard a family member groan when they got up? Raise your hand. Good, look at the hands. All right, we groan. That's a normal thing when we groan. But there are three groups that groan, and I want to talk about the three groanings. Let's go back to this passage, because the suffering brings about a groaning, but watch what happens underneath the glories of Christ that comes in the future for us.